do not be afraid to your dreams. Surround yourself with positive things. Stay focused despite obstacles and challenges. Be open to try new things. The world is our canvas. And I always tell my students, do not be afraid to apply CDRs or RATs. And you may ask, what are CDRs? For me, it's create, discover, and rediscover opportunities and relationships. And RATs are revise, assess, and terminate negative influences and relationships that do not identify as opportunities, which may lead to your success. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and our next guest is professional development consultant and entrepreneur, Renee Phillip. Renee has applied her 25 years of teaching, training, consulting, and coaching experience to start the Business Cove Learning Academy, a learning center in the Caribbean island of Antigua. This program teaches entrepreneurship, management, and business skills to students and professionals. In this episode, Renee and I discuss her experience as an entrepreneur in Antigua, the global effects of the pandemic on entrepreneurship in small island states, and the future of business in a constantly changing world. I'm delighted to have Renee join me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So Renee, thank you for joining me on InFactor. My pleasure, dear. <laughs> So I'm so excited because I met you, you're a University of Tampa alum, which is a lot of fun. And we met through LinkedIn, but also I met you through your daughter who was in my class. So this is a very special treat for me to be able to have that opportunity to talk to a former UT student as well as a parent of a UT student. Yes, it is. My daughter was rather excited when she took your class and I was like, okay, seems like it's an interesting professor. I wish I was there, you know, and she said, mommy, you need to meet her. I said, I will. I sure will. So, you know, I took it from there and took the initiative and she did you email Rebecca? I said, I will. I will. I just need to settle down a little bit, you know, given the COVID-19 pandemic and everything. So I took the step one day. I said, okay, let me do this before I get you know, I asked the question again, did you email Dr. White? I said, okay, the next time she does that, I will have an answer for her. So I'm happy I did. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did too. And I was so excited because I thought you would be a great guest for the for the podcast today. So tell us a little bit, Renee, what, what's the name of your business and what's it about? And a little bit about your context for our listeners, where you're located and a little bit about your background. Well, we are located in Antigua in the Caribbean. We're a small little island in the Caribbean. They label us the Caribbean paradise. Very beautiful island, by the mm -hmm. way. But the business is called Business Cove Learning Academy. And we offer educational services for after-schoolers as well as students who attend the community college here on the island and individuals who are also pursuing their bachelor's and master's degree. We offer services for those individuals who are focusing in business because my major was business administration. And then I did my master's in business administration as well. And now I'm doing my doctorate in business administration. You know, so I figured, okay, 
persons may need this assistance. And so I did combination of all my skills because I also focus in visual arts in University of Tampa. So my major was twofold. And so I combined all my skill sets. So I do offer visual art classes for uprising artists as well. That's wonderful. You know, I don't think I told you this in any of our conversations, but my mother was also an artist. So I come from that kind of a background as well. I love the art. The arts and business, I think, are a great fit. So now on Antigua, I'm guessing I haven't had the opportunity to come, but I'm going to. I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully I'll see you when I'm there once we can travel again. But on most of the islands, entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur and a business owner is very common practice. Is it part of the mindset of a lot of the islanders there in Antigua? Yes, it is for most because our population is very diverse. We have a lot of ethnic groups coming from different countries across the globe. And so their offsprings also, they come as entrepreneurs and you have local entrepreneurs. And, you know, for me, I was raised in the what we determine as the ghetto area. And so lots of times you find yourself wanting to get out of that condition. So a lot of individuals on island, because most of them were exposed from parents or given their economic situation, you have quite a lot of persons who are pursuing the entrepreneurship ventures and wanting to own their own businesses. Mm -hmm. Now, is that partly what motivated you to start this? Or were there other reasons that you decided to start this? Well, to be honest, the business is introductory phrase started when I left the community college here And, you know, we had a major hurricane, Hurricane Lewis in 1995. And so just coming out of the college, I had no income, you know. So through a friend, you were asked to, you know, provide tutoring services. And I said, hmm, seems interesting. So that led to that. And then in 2013, I got terminated from my job. And so... That gave me the push because then my students started seeking my assistance more and more. Their parents were just blowing up my phone, you know, we need your services. We need you. The students need you. And so I said, okay, because I I said to myself, I'm teaching. (laughs) I said I was done with teaching. But, you know, the teacher in me, it said, no, you're not done. Your students need you. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, okay why not offer the services because the students really needed you? So I decided to, I had a little chit chat with my dad and I said, well, dad, I need to do this, but I don't have any funding, you know? And he said, what do you need? And so that's where it started, you know, because I realized I have a natural love for individuals who just want to empower themselves and want to, embark on their career goals because I know of my struggle. And so I know my parents didn't really have much to send us to university. And I saw my struggle and I used that as a stepping stone to help other persons in my community and, you know, on island who I see, they want to 
accomplish their careers well. And that is a big factor that we have here, where although our students, our children finish high school and probably the community college, lots of them just don't have that support system to help to guide them to their individual career. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that we needed that. That was a gap in the market. And I decided, okay, why not help? If I'm going to do something, I might as well give back my contribution there, you know, and I'm loving it. Well, it's, it's obvious. And I know you're having a lot of success with it. And that's what happens when you bring together the right person and the right opportunity and fill, like you said, a gap in the marketplace. It sounds like you, maybe this came from your parents or maybe it was personal for you, but like me, it sounds like you believe that education can make a difference in a person's life. And you lived that and now you want to share that with other people. Yes, because my father, my father always, you know, instilled in us, I never got to finish school. I never got to, you know, achieve even a high school diploma. And I always wanted my kids to achieve what I didn't achieve. And my mom, she also didn't get to finish high school. And so between both parents, they had this strong feeling and this strong urge to just motivate the kids finish high school, get, you know, get into college, pursue a career. And I always use their story as a motivator for my students as well. And even their parents, because I welcome parents to the center as well. And I have parents who are coming to the center with their kids, you know, because they didn't get to finish high school or accomplish some of their goals. So kind of work as a community, you know. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, my my mom went back to school after I got my master's degree. She went back and got her bachelor's degree. And that meant a lot to me to be able to see her to do that, see her do that. So tell us a little bit about the progression of your business. It started out you, your father, you and your father brainstorming about about raising money. What, did you have any challenges building your company, anything you want to share and tell us about a little bit about the growth and the expansion of it. Well, I started off after I spoke to my dad, who doesn't even live on island anymore. You know, he's living in the States. And so we spoke via the telephone and he said, whatever you need, just let me know. And I said, okay, I need startup capital. I need to find a place to rent and I need furniture. And he said, just give me the cost, <laughs> you know, because my daughter always have a little saving, you know, parents, they always have a little saving. And so I Thankfully. said, it's gonna be, <laughs> I said, that is not going to be a, a give. It's going to be in the form of a loan. So I will repay you. That's fine. I said, I will repay you. He said, I know. And so I went hunting for a space, the right space. I tried to find the right space because I tried to find a central location for my students because they come in from all across the country. So I wanted a central location. And that was a challenge finding that central location. But I did. And, you know, I said, okay, I'm just gonna make provision for maybe 15, 20 students. And in the first month, it went to 50. And then by the second month, it went to 75. And so it was just growing and I was bursting at the seams. So I had to change location. But thankfully, there was a parent who 
was into real estate and she had the perfect space further in. And so I got that. I do uh, experience other challenges as well, similar to entrepreneurs. In addition to the startup capital, I also had challenges in finding the right resources, the individuals whom I could communicate with or network with to assist with helping me to, you know, understand the ropes of the venture. And even though I had persons who were operating their own center and persons who were having private schools, you just couldn't get that information at hand because lots of time we have persons seeing you more as a threat rather than an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, and so you have that. And even when I ask my students, even presently, to access entrepreneurs in their field, we're still having that challenge in the red taping of how to go about to get the business expanded to the, you know, the stage that you want it to be, you still have. So there's limited resources there. And sometimes even during the COVID, when everything happened, I was like, no, this is not happening. I saw beyond the COVID, but the parents decided, okay, for the safety of the children. And I just wanted to give up. I was at that point. I was like, "Ah, I'm just going to close the center and it's a failure. And then I said, no, no, (laughs) that's not, that's not it. You know, but there are challenges that we, we still encounter today, even from getting some assistance from our government as small business owners and, you know, sole proprietors, you get those challenges because you do not have that support system from the government. You know, that is one of the major challenges that we face. And then you also have challenges with some of the parents not having access to get to the center. Because mm-hmm. of um, transportation or the time, the traffic, stuff like that. So we're ironing those out. Presently, we started, we reopened, as I told you in an email, you know, just dealing with that. I started back. I reopened the center and I have to deal with the school system, the new school system that is in play. So that also tends to pose a little bit of challenge, but not too much that I can't handle. I'm still mm-hmm. working on that. So, you know, it's interesting because this pandemic has been a tremendous problem for so many people in so many ways. And the educational system has really struggled and it is concerning. And I know we all worry whether or not our students are losing opportunities and losing some time, you know, right now during this, this pandemic. So right now, as you mentioned, COVID has had an impact in a lot of ways on education. And I know in here in the U.S., there are a few school systems that are closing back down right now. Again, as we enter into another wave, many of our students, you know, at our university, as you know, our students are kind of a mix of remote and in-person. And you're open there now, right? But We are open, but we still do both. We have schedule. Most of the school have set schedules where they alternate the days. So they have 
split the schools based on the lower grade and the upper grade. And so they would alternate two days a week, three days a week, and then they would do the online classes as well. So some goes in the morning, some goes in the afternoon, you know, try to keep it flowing, but at the same time, so that we practice the protocols for the pandemic. And so the students, even though they have their mask and everything and their hand sanitizers that, you know, they still have to stay at social distancing. And so that is what we are dealing with right now in our school systems. Yeah. What has been the extent of the pandemic there on Antigua? Similar to the U.S., we too have a lot of businesses that have closed. All of the schools are open because most of them are pretty much small in population and not overcrowded. The ones that they consider too large to function on a regular schedule, those are the ones that are split as in a group A, group B. So group A will go Monday, Wednesday, Thursday this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then next week they will go Tuesday, Thursday, because then group B will go Tuesday, Thursday this week, and then three days to try to keep it balanced. In terms of business-wise, a lot of businesses have closed their doors. However, the positive side of that is that a lot of persons who never thought of venturing out on their own, because our economy solely concentrates on tourism and that industry for its main economic activities, you have a lot of persons where the hotels are closed and persons have started to venture into their own startup businesses. You know, you have more chefs coming out to do pop-ups on the roadside and you have pastry chefs who are now deciding, okay, I can do something from my home and, you know, network with other industries that I could offer, you know, get some sales in. You have persons who are in the craft who are deciding, okay, I'm going to do this. And you have a lot of persons who are just bringing in new innovative ways of us, you know, continuing to keep that flow of things rather than feeling all choked Mm -hmm. up everything. So you have good, you have some positives. You also have some negatives going on. You know, but I'm excited because the positives that are coming out are individuals who are just turning on and tuning into their innovativeness and their creativity, you know. And then you have persons who decided, okay, I cannot deal with the disruption. And so they just said, okay, I'm just going to close because I can't deal with disruption. Right. you know how it works with innovation. Yes, <laughs> yes. Have you found now, I'd like to talk a little bit more about sort of your methodology. You've been teaching and training and consulting with students and parents for a long time, and you've had a lot of successful students and congratulations on that. Do you use traditional teaching methods? Do you have any unique style? And and have you actually been able to incorporate this opportunity, although it's been brought a lot of challenges, the opportunity of the pandemic into your lessons in terms of the way students, in terms of the way you help them frame problems and think about innovation? Yes. Our main differentiator here at the center is that we strive to build and maintain relationship with our clients. 
and I call them clients and not just regular students because I see them, you know, as important stakeholders in my business. I've always tried to understand what their career goals are. So at the center, we provide individual timetables for the students. So everybody has different timing. Everybody gets to meet, you know, meet me. We don't do traditional teaching. I have ruled that out. And that was one of my major goals of removing the traditional form of teaching. Ever since I went to University of Tampa, I saw a difference. And so I tried to incorporate it, incorporate that when I returned into my teaching. My students, the pandemic now, what is happening is that because students are going on different schedules, some parents have nowhere to send their students. They have to go to work and they have nowhere to send them for assistance in the daytime. So the ones who go to high school, they come to me. The older ones who I, you know, engage in entrepreneurship classes and the management of business classes, we normally form that relationship where we are able to discuss things, put it on the table and talk about everything that they would be going through, whether it's, I always approach it from a holistic point of view. So I deal with psychological, physical, you know, health-wise. I want to make sure that they're okay. And most of the centers outside of my center, they don't offer that. It's more of a commercial approach where, you know, we we are in for it for the profit as opposed to building and networking. So what you find is that my students, I always trail them. So I have most of them from high school. And even though they leave and venture off into universities, I still keep in contact. I still keep in contact with them because they, they need to understand the rope of being a freshman. They need to understand, you know, what it mm-hmm. takes to have good time management and stuff like that. So I walk them through that and the parents are appreciative of that service. And, you know, when they return, it's more like family. So we develop that culture at the center where we, I always tell them here, because I'm a big cartoon fan, animation. So I always say, Ohana, you know, from the tale Lilo and Stitch. So I said, Ohana means family. No one get left behind. And so to me, they are family. And my daughter always said, mommy, every year you adopt a child or two or three or four. I said, yes, because <laughs> the parent is me, you know, and that is what is our main strength here at the center. Even the teachers who come and assist, it's the same thing. We treat them as family. We want them to feel comfortable and we help them sort out their career goals. We advise them and we trail them right through. Even after university, just to go find a job, they come, we sit with them, we tell them, you know, this is what you need to do. Um, you need to, to have this thing organized. You need to go here. We try to look, help them even to look for openings, employment openings. Right. So we take them right through because yeah. I want to make sure that they're comfortable when they're with me, when they leave me and they get out into that world. Yeah, that's a very holistic approach to teaching and learning. And 
kudos to you for that. Now, failure, you talked about you teach in the visual arts and you teach in the entrepreneurship space. And failure is a part of the journey for most business founders and even, I would say, even for artists as well. How do you prepare students for this part of entrepreneurship? You really can't prepare them, but you could be real with them. And so I often tell them, I'm being honest, failure is a part of the process. However, it's not in the failing, it's more in the uprising. After you would have considered yourself to fail at a venture or an you know, pursued, what do you do? We, just similar to a child, when a child falls, we said, it's okay, it's okay to fall. We kiss the boo-boo and we say, let's go again. I do the same thing with the students. I said, you know what? Let's think of more creative ways or innovative ways for you to get back on track. And we have that discussion. So I let them know about my struggle. I share my struggle. And even now, as I told you, I share the podcast that you have with them. And they are grateful for that, you know. And we go out and we share our experiences. I often tell them it is important that you try again. Today, I had a student who called and he said, Miss, I'm closing my business. And that I said, no, we will talk about it because we are going to think of new ways in which you could keep going. I don't want them to just accept failures. I want them to see failure in the positive way. And we discuss all of this during the sessions. We said, I said, failure could be seen negative or it could be seen positive. But as entrepreneurs, we need to take it in a positive light and flip it and create better opportunities for us, you know. That's wonderful. I love that. And I think that's so appropriate. And how wonderful that your students reach back out to you when they're facing failure and you can talk them sort of over the hump, so to speak, to get back on track. Because a lot of it is about continuing to persevere and just to keep going through the tough times and learning from that. So let's switch just a little bit and talk a little bit more about what it's like to be in business in Antigua. What is the ecosystem down there like for entrepreneurs and what's the business climate like? I think that we're still in the developing stage. Although we have many persons who are exposed as a part of our culture as entrepreneurs. You know, we have hundreds of persons who are in the tourism industry, as I mentioned earlier, but financially getting assistance for small businesses is now becoming opportunity for us because it's only recently that our government decided to venture into programs that could help small businesses. And even with that, you know, we still have individuals who are still not exposed to how they could pursue such opportunities in terms of gaining knowledge in the entrepreneurial field. Persons are now finding it to be an interesting field to go and explore. I think it was about five years ago that we brought entrepreneurship as a subject area on our curriculum, our education curriculum, because prior to that, there was nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a trial and error. And 
finding individuals there to help you in terms of accessing information and to help you walk you through the ropes, that was difficult. I think now as well, as I spoke of earlier, individuals are not as open-minded to pursuing more of a community support to individuals who want to enter into the entrepreneurial realms. They are more reluctant because as soon as you have to start a business, we see it more as a threat as opposed to, okay, I know Suzanne down the road and, you know, we could work together to help each other. We often see each other more as threats as opposed to helping the other person. So I would say that we're still in the developing stage and that also stemmed from the fact that more persons are not, the older folks are not as open as the younger ones are because the younger ones are more learned mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they're exposed in the school system. And, and it sounds like you're, you're hoping, and you probably, I'm sure you are, part of the movement to kind of change the, some of the mindset a little bit to bring about more collaboration and cooperation. And you mentioned that you share this podcast with your students, and that's very gratifying to me that you can do that. Because part of my goal with this is to share, well, you know, it's to, it's to share all the amazing stories of entrepreneurs out there with, with others. And especially in an environment where it's a little bit harder to find that mentoring and coaching, it really means a lot to me that this podcast is actually finding its way to some of the students there and parts of the world that can use it. So it sounds like you said your government has started to put some programs in place. And that sounds promising as well to help small businesses. Do you see the pandemic, you know, the post-pandemic business community there in Antigua being more positive and favorable for entrepreneurship? Or what do you see for the future of Antigua and the business and entrepreneurship community and there? Well, some businesses have already started to be more flexible. It has encouraged a lot of persons to incorporate technology more into their business operations. And a lot of persons are now becoming more aware of the importance of technology and the importance of, you know, um, implementing crisis management skills and procedures to help them to adjust to things like these that just arise out of the blue because I don't think anyone saw the COVID-19 coming. Mm-hmm. However, we have to deal with it, you know. And so I think going forward that a lot of persons will want to pursue their businesses more and more because we see it even when you access Facebook, you know, the social media, you see persons are starting a little venture here and pushing themselves to do things that they don't normally do. They do not rely on a nine to five job anymore. They are now becoming, you know, reluctant, not reluctant, but pursuing opportunities that could also help them to be sustainable for themselves. Mm -hmm. That's such an empowering mindset, right? To be able to feel that that you can make a difference and that you can sustain yourself. And that's one of the things that I love about entrepreneurship, 
I think it's such a powerful and transformative field. So you talked a little bit earlier about the arts, the visual arts, as well as business and entrepreneurship. Do you integrate those or are those two separate parts of your school? How does that work? I integrate both because normally once I am having the entrepreneurship classes, I find that my, you know, my creative juices are flowing. And so I always envision things. So for instance, now my students are about to plan their, one of their major events to showcase their talent, their skill sets, you know, and that was me trying to get them to some sort of exposure for persons to recognize we do have these persons in our community. We do have these persons in society, you know, and look at what they're doing with themselves. And, you know, I do not separate my artistic skills or my artistic abilities from any of my sessions. And in addition to the entrepreneurship class, I also do a little bit of mathematics and that is what helps me to get to the students. It's the artistic part that helps me to get to my students because mm-hmm. I have to get down in parts and, you know, let them see it in part before I put it back in whole. So everything works together as opposed to keep them separate. It's I, hard for me to I, do that. Yeah, a very holistic approach. And, you know, we have a lot of the creative arts students who also study entrepreneurship, because if you're an artist, you're probably going to be an entrepreneur at some point. You're right. going to be promoting yourself, right. promoting your arts. And so there's a lot of over overlap there. So Renee, this has been a delight really to talk to you and you've really, I'm so impressed with what you've done there and I'm so excited to follow you and your students and and watch the successes. It's just really rewarding to see what you're doing. And I know you've, over the years, you've given your students a lot of great advice. And so I always like to ask my guests if they had one piece of advice that they could leave with our listeners, knowing that a lot of them are students and a lot of them are people who want to start a business. So if there was one piece you could, of advice you could leave with our listeners, what would it be? I would let them know, you know, do not be afraid to your dreams, surround yourself with positive things, stay focused despite obstacles and challenges, be open to try new things. The world is our canvas. And I always tell my students, do not be afraid to apply CDRs or RATs. And you may ask, what are CDRs? For me, it's create, discover, and rediscover opportunities and relationships. And RATs are revise, assess, and terminate negative influences and relationships that do not identify as opportunities, which may lead to your success. So I always encourage them, you know, you are going to meet opportunities, try to be creative, go back into your journal, go back into your diary. And rediscover things and, you know, don't be afraid to go out. If opportunities arise in front of you, don't be afraid to discover either. But at the same time, we have to be able to, you know, revise our initial plans and assess to see where we're making progress. And some of the things we have to terminate, we have to, you know, get rid of those because they might not be contributing to our positive 
endeavors. So we have to get rid of those. That's a wealth of advice in just a few words. And I like those acronyms. Thank you for sharing that. Those are all great, great suggestions. So Renee, thank you for joining me today. Where can our listeners connect with you, find out more about you and your business and what you're doing? Currently, we are looking to build our website. We had a little bit of setback with that. And so I'm mostly on LinkedIn. Okay. (laughs) Mostly on LinkedIn. So they could find me on LinkedIn. They could leave me a message. It has all my information, you know, and I could get back to them. So I'm looking forward to staying connected to you as a fellow educator. Thank you again for joining me today, Renee. Thank you.